The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, it's the 76ers episode that I need to do. I have to do. It's my, boo, Trista stinks. All the Sixers fans hate me. It's okay. Like, I get it. I've said some mean things. I've neglected talking about you guys all season. Forgive me. You guys have been irrelevant. Forgive me. What a way, though, to start the new year off. I said I would be nicer, uh, but sometimes kindness it doesn't always feel like what do they say if uh if everything was dripped in gold baby how would we ever grow you know what i mean like we can't just just can't be all peas and carrots all the time sometimes kindness comes in the form of a stick 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 that's me your accountability partner sixers fans let's make it a therapy group go ahead brock let's drop the beats Late drop. Um, when snow happens in Washington, D.C., the world loses their minds. I don't think we were ready for it, truthfully. Like, our city was not ready for snow. I, um, I'm i going to confess something. I, I thought to myself maybe I wouldn't confess this because it's egregious. But I told someone we got two feet of snow, and I sent a photo to them. They're from Minnesota. It was four inches. I, I mean, men, men love me, right? Men love me. <laughs> Only I could confuse four inches for two feet. <laughs> if you know, you know. So that's why we didn't record on a Monday, because the world lost their fucking mind, because everybody in this city confuses four inches for two feet. Like, we had people stuck on 95 still. It's like literally they're still struggling, you know, like the world was not ready for the snowstorm and like we're going to get to the episode. But listen, it was 65 on New Year's Day. The next day it was 25 and two feet of snow. You know what I mean? I still haven't gotten my car out from the side street that it's on. So, folks, anyway, and then on Sunday I did go on a podcast, the rights to Ricky Sanchez and talked about Philly. It's a Philly podcast. Probably the top Philly podcast in the country, hosted by my guy, the man, the myth, Philadelphia legend, Spike Eskin, the son of Howard Eskin. And we went in detail 
about Joel Embiid. We talked about, of course, Ben Simmons, the future of this team, the future of your of the franchise. So wherever you can find your podcast, go and check that episode out. I also talked about why I left Barstool. I talked about my origin story. Uh, it was a, not just a Philadelphia conversation. It was a life conversation. But the prep for that, because you never know what people are going to ask you, the prep for that got me thinking about Philly. Uh, and it got me interested... Got me. Listen, now you have my full attention, Philly. Yeah, so now we decided to turn that prep that I did not need into this Sixers episode. <laughs> well, I didn't expect it to be a personal question, but like, here we are. So my New Year's resolution was to be nicer. So let's look first and foremost about what's good about the Sixers this year before I get into what the, the dumpster fire of this team has been, not just this year, but for the last eight. Like this team, the process has been a joke. I think you guys know that. Like, I'm not just trolling. Like, the process has been a disappointment. Um, so let's go into what you guys are doing well. First and foremost, the team is currently 20 and 16. And the truth is, it could be so much worse. Yeah. And Bede has been gone. Your star center has been gone. The, the, the player that you've built your entire franchise around multiple times has been gone with COVID for a solid month. <laughs> Tobias has been garbage. He's been stealing money. And, of course, you've had this drama surrounding Ben Simmons looming over this franchise like a gray, dark cloud to the point where people can't even practice because he's like a distraction. There's, like, news reports all the time about this. He's been MIA outside that one practice. Considering everything, sixth in the East isn't so bad. Cheer up, Sixer fans. Like, you thought you were going to be the two or three seed in the East, which was an un... We'll call it an, uh, an unrealistic expectation. Like I said, I called you a six seed preseason. That was one of the only right things I got correct in the East. Uh, but you could be Orlando. Like, you could be completely down in the dumps when your star center literally thought he might die. That's what he said. I thought I might die. So let's dissect some of the reasons from a basketball perspective that this franchise hasn't turtle turtle yet. Uh, you are a decent three-point shooting team, even with Tobias having a down year. You're third in the league in turnover percentage, 12.3 times per game. And a lot of that is due to your guy, Tyrese Maxey, who we're going to talk about in a second. He is literally l- helping you. He's keeping the ball from turning over. Without Maxey on the floor, you are 27th in the league at turnover percentage. So it's really just him balling. Really just him becoming a true point guard, a real facilitator, a true floor general. And you're also leading the league in free throw percentage, 80-plus percent. But mostly the reason that you're overperforming, which I think is what you're doing. I don't, I don't think Philly fans will like me saying that, but that's what you're doing. Role players have become stars. Someone and exceeded at least exceeded expectations at least for nearly f- the first half of the season. So let's talk about the number one reason why, which has been Tyrese Maxey, number one bright spot all year. He's gone from six man off the bench to having an all star like like season. I'm not sure now at this point if Rich Paul would want to trade him. Like Rich Paul said, when when Ben Simmons goes, Tyrese Maxey will also go. 
Those are both Rich Paul clients. It appears that this fit is working beautifully. He's averaging almost 17 points per game, three and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, and putting up, like outside of those numbers, he's putting up huge numbers in important games, like he did against Brooklyn. You won against Brooklyn with all their pieces outside of Kyrie in Brooklyn after just losing to them a couple of nights ago. Another thing Maxi has improved on, you know, I'd say is underrated is his defense. He's no, I mean, he's no Drew Holiday, but against Harden, you got Harden to turn the ball over six times in that game. Like, he put up numbers, but he's going to put up numbers on anybody. Like, that's like when you guard Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is going to put up numbers. But his on-the-ball defense is improved. He's pressuring the hell out of guys. He's getting them to commit mistakes, and that's important. Offensively, Maxie has been impressive, too. Added 26 players who finished with at least 200 possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler this season. Maxie is where? Maxie is fifth in scoring efficiency behind Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, and Trey Young. Excuse me? Sir, sir, that is a fucking baller move. That is, according to Synergy Sports, he is ahead of Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan, and Jaw. He's ahead of those guys. That is surprising, I would say. I don't think people would put Maxi in the conversation there in terms of, like, pick-and-roll ball handler, but Jesus Christ, wow. Like, that's important. He's got wheels. He's got touch around the rim. He's potent in a two-man game with Joe L. Embiid. Pick your poison. And he's become a real aggressive scoring threat. And I think the thing that people have been knocking him on for so long is that Maxie's too hesitant. Maxie wants to pass the ball too much. Maxie's not a dog. Maxie now is taking important shots in important moments, and he knows when to pass and when to fucking shoot. And that is what you need. Seth Curry, he's a little shrimp. We know that. But... The bright span spot for Philly, too, has been him in this two-man game with Joel Embiid. He's a bad defender. We know that. He's little. He's too little. but And he's a chucker. But he is legitimately shooting 50% as a pick-and-roll ball handler, and he's a pick-and-roll ball handler like 30% of the time. That's up a solid 6%, which is a meaningful number from last year. Let's talk about my man, George Nyang. This dude is, <laughs> I thought it was Gorgie. First of all, I just want to tell on myself again, because that's what I do. I am accountable to myself and to the fans. I got him confused with Gorgie Jang. Gorge Nyang. Like, I, okay, George Nyang. I'm confused. But anyway, he is a dog. 6'7", power forward, perfect fit, shooting 40% from three. Like, what fours do you know that aren't stars that are shooting at this clip? And he's shooting eight per 36. He's shooting six of them joints a night. At 40%, 6'7", dog, an irritant. He's got the, the aggressive nature of, like, in terms of being an irritant, like a Patrick Beverly or Joel Embiid, but he's just, like, making a couple. Like he's, I don't even know what he's making, but it's not a lot. He could be one of the more underrated signings this year for the Sixers. And, like, you can tell he's good on this team because I thought about scenarios where, for example, like someone like Boston would want someone to space the floor, which is what you need for Joel Embiid, which is what you also need for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And Sixer fans in my mentions like, nah, nah, we'll keep, we'll keep Nang. 
He's been, he's ours. That's how you know. And Sixers fans will turn on you if you're no good. They're like, no, no, we're keeping Nang. He's been a piece. And he's been, I would say, the only real bright spot as a power forward in this role since, like, Irian Ilyasova. Like, since that. Anyway, Cork Moss is always good. He's shooting. His shooting's dipped a little bit. He slid under 30 from three now, but he's like, he's been good earlier in the season. He's been a bright spot hitting threes in crucial moments. Of course, Joel Embiid has been out with COVID. So Andre Drummond, tremendous in his absence, rebounding. Shake Milton has missed time, but he's been pretty good. Isaiah Joe, another little bright spot. Put up 18 in 21 minutes against the Rockets. And, you know, he's just a little baby. He's just still coming along in his own. And now it's time. And now it's time. It's time, it's time. The bad. The ugly. The Ben Simmons situation is not ideal, I would say. But, but it's not the only problem. Let's talk about the bigger issue. The bigger issue is an asset on your squad who's a net negative. Like, Ben Simmons is a net positive trade asset. It just is the case, unfortunately, to me. Like, I don't think – I mean, of course he is, but, like, he's just toxic. But, like, Tobias Harris actually is a net negative. You have to package picks with his contract to move him. He's stealing money right now. He's stealing. He's making checks notes. $32.74 million this year. Is he worth that? I'd say no. I'd say Sixers fans would say no as well. Like, he's a Doc Rivers a favorite. The only reason that they picked him up and kept him and didn't trade him is because of, I believe, his relationship with Doc Rivers. Like, the fact that he's on this team and that him and Ben are on this team over Jimmy Butler is just a crime. It's a crime to me. And... He's the most inefficient player on this team. Gross. He passes up open threes. I mean, you can't have your one of your highest paid guys being an inefficient, like the most inefficient on your team. Like you just can't. It's not fucking Carmelo Anthony in 2003. I'm sorry. Like this is not the league that we're in anymore. He passes up open threes consistently and shoots worse twos, unopened twos. We'll call it closed twos. Disrupting spacing for Joel, which is exactly the opposite of what you need. This isn't the L.A. Lakers here. Right. Like this isn't we're not going to just like do the wrong things consistently around LeBron James and Joel and be like, no, he's not making his teammates better. And like I said, he's stealing money like 40 percent from three last year and below 30 percent from three this year. Why is that? It's because he doesn't get a bunch of open looks because of Ben Simmons. He's not just standing there in the in the corner when people collapse on Ben going to the rack and, like, passing out, kicking out. Like, he's just, who's doing that for him? No one. Not Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey apparently doesn't love Tobias Harris. Getting He's not getting open looks. Uh, the team defense of this team is tr- atrocious. They are 20th in defensive rating. And last year they were number two in defensive rating. Yes, a lot of that has to do with Ben. But you also do have Clamps and Matisse Thibel, who, you know, isn't that much. I mean, he's worse, but he's not that much worse to go from second to 20th. They're dead last in the league in rebounds. They are getting absolutely, they're dead last in the league in rebounds. Dead last. Dead last. That's below Portland. That's below Portland. I'm just saying this multiple times. Your, your, your podcast isn't skipping. 
I'm telling you this for effect. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. You're getting destroyed. And you have Andre Drummond. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is why this team is 27th in second, second chance points just behind the Hornets, Kings, and Raptors. Like you are allowing teams to feast in second chance points. Putbacks galore. Uh, the three-point shooting is bad. Like, this is the whole entire game plan for surrounding Joel Embiid. Shooters, shooters, shooters. That's the reason that Ben's not working. Shooters, shooters. At the moment, the Sixers are 27th in the league in three-point attempts. 31 and a half per game. That's not ideal. 14th in percentage at 35.1. So too often, the Sixers, like I've said, Tobias Harris-like, they're just turning down open looks from deep, and then they just take tougher shots for less points. Tell me why that's a good idea. Philadelphia needs to start firing away like their name is the Boston Celtics, like where you shoot 50 of them a game. Like you have shooters. You, like I just said, George Nang, let him shoot 10 of those joints a night. Don't act like you don't know who George Nang is. Don't do that. Don't do that. Google him. Don't do that. Also, <laughs> passing the ball is really not great either. The team is 25th in assists per game. <laughs> N-I-A-N-G. Yeah. 25th in assists per game. You've seen him before. Which reflects a young point guard who isn't getting and be the ball. And there's no swing, swing, swing. It's two-man game, brick or make, right? Maxi for all his positives, averages less than five assists a game. You should probably get five assists just throwing the ball to Joel Embiid in the blocks early in the shot clock. That's what you need to do. And that's why this team is in the middle of the road. 13th in pace, scoring's down from last year. They've gone from 113 points per game last year to 106 per game. I know you have nine games without Joel Embiid. However, it's not ideal. It's not great. And then, of course, the drama surrounding the team with Ben Simmons, we don't need to get into the background of that. We've already done it so many other times, and other people have as well. But what we will look to do is look at the fallout from this. There are two ask questions, two questions that we should be asking now. Should Doc Rivers be on the hot seat? And should Daryl Morey be on the hot seat? The Sixers just beat the Nets in Brooklyn without Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, you can't ask Doc, if you're Doc Rivers and you blew the game as usual as your coach, and they ask you whether Ben Simmons is the, is the point guard on a championship roster, you should say, can I phone a friend? Like, I need to ask my GM what he thinks because I need to ask our ownership group what they think I should say because... Or say yes, just lie. You lie all the time. These coaches lie every day. It's ingrained in their DNA. When you are on the back end of a disappointing loss to the Atlanta Hawks, which you didn't think was going to happen, and they ask you these questions, you just lie. Because if you want to move him, we've talked about this before, if you want to move someone, you don't decrease their value. If you're you know, a, a stockholder of, we'll just say, Pfizer, you don't say like, oh, well, COVID's going away. You know, COVID doesn't exist anymore. Or, you know, if you're, <laughs> that's a bad example. But you know what I'm trying to say? You just can't artificially, it's like Elon Musk consistently says things to bring down Tesla. I don't know why, but he does. He just does. That's like basically what Doc Rivers did. 
And and this guy, Dan Burke, who's taking over for Doc when Doc has COVID. When Doc has COVID, he actually calls plays, he calls timeouts, and that was the game that they ended up winning against Brooklyn. Doc wasn't coaching that game, folks. Like, this is like when, very similar to like when Lloyd Pierce, head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, went on paternity leave and the trash-ass Atlanta Hawks went on a tear. And you're like, hmm. Maybe, just maybe, the roster's better than we think it is, and maybe this coach has got to go. And he did go, and then all of a sudden, the Atlanta Hawks ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals. The mismanaging of the rotation really is a symptom of the problem plaguing, plaguing Doc Rivers, which is just he's stubborn, and he lacks creativity, and he's resting on one championship largely created by Tom Thibodeau. Just truth. Just the truth bomb. And, like, it comes from, it comes out in late in games when he just doesn't draw plays. Just doesn't come up with ways to get players and stagger their minutes and guys like Joel Embiid are ending up being gassed. And the elephant in the room, of course, is Ben Simmons. But rather than to recap the drama, like, and also Daryl Morey can't be asking for the moon. For Daryl, for everybody, for Ben Simmons, like you can't be like, I want a top five, top twenty-five player, and also five draft picks. You are, you are delusional. And I think, like I said before, if you can't move Ben with Daryl Morey at the helm, then Daryl Morey shouldn't be at the helm. Ben, there's some trade ideas floated around. Here they are, a lot of them. These are just a few that are just coming out over the weekend. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers receive Evan Fournier. Uh, Campbell Walker, Obi Toppin, New York Knicks 2022 first-round pick unprotected, which is probably going to be tasty because they are looking not good. New York Knicks 2023 first-round pick, maybe a swap, more favorable to Philly. New York Knicks 2024 first-round pick, top 10 protected, or the 2025 first-round pick unprotected if they end up getting a top 10 pick. New York Knicks 2026 first-round pick, swap. So that's one deal. I don't hate that deal. I don't love that deal either. I don't think they need Kemba Walker. Listen, four first-rounders, Fournier, net negative, Kemba Walker, net negative, Obi Toppin, nice young piece. Don't think, I don't think uh, my man Daryl Morey is going to go for that one. Here's another deal. Sixers get Karis LeVert, Norm, it's a three-team deal. Sixers get Karis LeVert, Norm Powell, Larry Nash Jr. Pacers get CJ McCollum, Nasir Little, Cody Zeller, Portland's 2024 first-round pick, lottery protected. 2022 second-round pick from Portland. Trailblazers get Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, Danny Green. Do not hate that whatsoever. But with the Sixers in sixth place currently, let's just be real. Their ceiling's probably fourth. Ceiling, absolute ceiling. And they're not a real contender. And I think they know that, which means another year wasted of Joel Embiid's prime. And the man has a million injury, million injuries and a history as long as a CVS receipt and, like, so long. And, like, truthfully, I asked Spike on this podcast, and I was like, yo, what do you think is the future? And he goes, if they can't get a real player for Ben, there's a real chance a non-zero, and it's actually a likelihood that Joel Embiid will not be on the team in two years from now. 
He will be somewhere else. That is the man who's grown up in Philly with a father who's been talking about Philly for a fuckload of time, like many, many years, tapped into what's happening. And he believes there is a real scenario where Joel Embiid will not be in Philadelphia, which means that the process process. starts again, folks. And that, that means this franchise is at a crossroads. Gotta be tough for Sixers fans. Couldn't happen to a nicer fan base, a more humble fan base, a sweeter fan base. So, yeah, I I hate to say it, but there's more Sixers uh, pain to come, more Sixers drama to come. This is just the beginning. Where did I go wrong? Speaking of systemic failures, where did we go wrong? And the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know that there's anything more exemplary of this issue than my man, Markel Fultz. Yeah. Do you remember Markel Fultz? If you're a Sixers fan, for, for sure. The rest of NBA, especially casual fans, he was a blip in the radar. He was a quick little number one overall consensus piece. Was he consensus? Because the Boston Celtics didn't think so. And he got lost in the shuffle, which is wild considering number one pick in the the 2017 draft. And that was the guy, the key cog, the piece that the Sixers were waiting for in the process to put it all together. This, we need a point guard that can score, that can be the floor general. Like a lesser version of Damian Lillard. Some taller, but just lesser. He could shoot at the time. He could distribute at the time. And he was the man. What, what do they need Jason Tatum for? They already have a wing, right? They already have wings. They need a point guard. And that was Markel Fultz. And that seems pretty insane to say in, in hindsight. Because he entered the NBA with a decent shot, and then all of a sudden, maybe it's broke as hell. <laughs> maybe it really smells broken jumper. Broken jumper. He went from being able to shoot well. Like, wow. if you look at his YouTube film, which I did, at Washington, UW, Huck the Fuskies, as an Oregon Duck fan, that's a non sequitur, but all of a sudden, it just busted it was just gone just not being able to shoot at all like just a push shot it was like his elbow was broken and then being the number one pick it was under a microscope what's wrong with Markel Fultz what's happening with the shot nobody that I remember has had their jump shot dissected more by people who have never played basketball in their life more than Markel Fultz like we're all just like Maybe it's the elbow. Maybe he shoots with the wrong hand. What's going on? Is there something wrong with his shoulder? And there's like hundreds and hundreds of articles about this. And the Sixers are scrambling. Now they're hiring coaches and developers and scientists and, and like algorithm specialists just to fix Markel Fultz's jump shot. 
yeah, interior designers, literally everyone under the sun who has any bit of creativity to be able to fix him. And it was ugly. It, how ugly did it get, you might ask? Well, it got the ugliest, the, the lowest it got was when he double-clutched a free throw in 2018. It was like, uh, it was like when your, your, your PlayStation or your Nintendo freezes. Like, eh, and then it jumps forward again. That was him. And it led to many articles everywhere about, like, he is broken, broken, broken. SB Nation wrote this. Markel Fultz's broken jump shot hit an all-time low when he double-clutched a free throw that, you guessed it, didn't go in. The way he catapulted the ball off of an extended pause resembled a player who grew 18 inches overnight and is just figuring out how to play basketball in a new body. And then, of course, social media took hold, caught flame. Hoops hype Alex Kennedy reported within minutes of that free throw that trainer Drew Hanlon and Fultz were currently not on speaking terms and were no longer, yeah, working together. Hanlon then denied the report, which, let's be honest, was a lie. After the game, then Fultz gave his own breakdown of what was happening hey I mean the ball just lies slipped out of my hand he said the ball just slipped out of my hand no biggie I just had to do what I had to do to regather the ball and I'm not really worried about it I work on my game the ball just happened to slip that's what happened yeah it didn't it didn't slip it didn't look like it slipped because people were zooming in and rewinding like keeping it Everywhere in sight, you got to see every angle. And you know what sucks? That. Every bit of your shot, all of a sudden, being critiqued, analyzed, and numerous conspiracy theories developed about how you went from this, yes, to that. Boo! (laughs) That's what it was. It was like, get this guy the fuck out of here. The Sixers then... Because they're a trash franchise, truthfully, in many ways, that's the hedge, in many ways, got tired of trying to fix them. And as a final gesture of surrender, they shipped them off to Orlando for my man Jonathan Simmons and a bag of chips. And the, ch- the chips were probably the more valuable part of that trade. They were salt and vinegar, if you're wondering what kind of chips. And they traded Jonathan Simmons? Like, Jonathan Simmons for the number one player in the draft at age 21? That's how old he was? They got rid of him in two years for a guy who's now in China. Playing for the Shanghai Lungs. Sir, sir, you made that trade, sir. And then two things happened since that trade that I personally find fascinating. First of all, as it turns out, Markel Fultz was not as broken as everyone on the earth thought he was. His first year in Orlando, double-clutch free-throw guy, same guy, shot 47% from the floor, averaging 12, 3, and 5 in 27 minutes. 
And at the start of last year, before he got his ACL tear, he led the Magic to a 6-2 and start on 13-3-5. and And the shot looked nice again. Did I mention, by the way, sir, he's only 23 years old right now. He's old, at this very second, I'm speaking about it, in 2022, he is 23 years old. Is anyone else fascinated about how they discarded him so quickly? Like a little piece of trash that you didn't spend anything on. You spent the number one pick on Marco Fultz, and you just got rid of him for a guy that's on the Shanghai Lungs. Lungs. Nobody, to me, is a bigger symbol of the Sixers' ineptitude than Fultz. And it has way less to do with him than it does about the Philly brass. They are terrible decision makers. So they moved up to get him, and they discarded him after 33 games. He was 20 when they traded him. 20. He couldn't even drink when they traded this guy. They made up their mind he's unfixable. And you know how the Sixers fan base be. When they decide, when they decide to be patient, they're patient. They weren't even patient with Joel Embiid. They're like, why isn't this fucking guy playing? Get this fucking guy out of here. Joel Embiid. Come on now. An organization that has poor decision-making quality to begin with, because it wasn't the right pick. Like, you should not have picked... Markel Fultz, do your own research. Don't just wait for Bleacher Report to tell you who the number one pick is. You know? Sometimes I feel that that's what's happening. These owners, these owners, they're on, they're literally just hanging out, drinking OJ with the kids, and, and they don't know shit. And they're hanging out with the kids, and the kid's like, Daddy, are you going to draft Mar- Markel Fultz? And it's like, who's that? And then they read Bleach Report, and then they talk to their scouts and, like, the GM. They're like, I want Fultz. And they're like, sir, Markel Fultz isn't the – I want Markel Fultz because my son today on his Oculus was telling me about Markel Fultz and how good he is. And he don't even know. Like, that's the process that we're talking about. So poor decision-making quality, ownership that's probably involved way too much. A bump or two in the road, you start to question your own scouting because it wasn't really your scouting. Maybe your training department isn't great because you've got injury after injury after injury. And that's how you end up with Jonathan Simmons, who ends up on the Shanghai Lungs and a bag, a small bag of salt and vinegar chips. Jonathan Simmons put up 16 points for the Shanghai Lungs. You maybe you should, should bring him back on a COVID hardship. Listen, against the Gualong Tigers. What are we talking about here? Think about all of these mistakes. There's not just one. There's so many. Come on. Come on. Jaleel Okafor, you traded away Mikel Bridges on draft night. And his mom works for the Sixers. This man went to school at Villanova, is from Philly. You draft him. And then 15 minutes later, you trade him. Back to Markel Fultz. Apparently, it wasn't that Fultz's shot was even broken. It's that Fultz, his entire body was broken. As in, his shoulder was actually broken. 
and they didn't see it. This is the kind of shit I have things to say about C.J. McCollum, but it'll come out another time. But just know that they didn't diagnose his lung until it was almost too late. These people, it's just tremendous. The level of, we're in an elite sport here. And the things that are happening are not elite. You know what I'm saying? Like, feeling the pressure of number one, going number one, Markel Fultz tried to play through a broken scapular. A scapular muscle imbalance is what they called it. This is what he said. You know, people just don't know my love for the game. Growing up in the area I, you grow, I grew up in, you have bumps and bruises, and that's where it becomes a business, taking care of your body. And me being who I am, loving the game so much, I feel like although my shoulder was messed up, I can st- hit my shoulder was messed up. I told no one. I told no one. When they were clowning me, I didn't even say, hey, there's something going on with my shoulder. I'm playing through injury. That's the kind of baller he is. This is what he said. I felt like I can contribute to the game and help my team win. So I wanted to go out there and just compete and have fun with the game. Did you have fun, Markel Fultz? Was that fun for you? Also, it was my first year. And I think I did a poor job of communicating to my agent and to my family what I was feeling. And instead of just going out there and trying to compete without expressing what I was feeling. And all I was doing was making it worse. Hell yeah, you were. Literally every thought, everybody thought you were just a bum now. A bum. How long was this injury a problem, you might ask? Turns out, pretty much the entire time he was in Philly. <laughs> Literally before he even arrived. Actually, my, starter, my shoulder started sh- hurting before training camp my rookie year. But I just thought it was for how much work I was putting in, you know, all those shots. Me from shooting so much that my shoulder was just sore. Pause. Excuse me. Where was the training staff in all of this? Sixers? They had to have known that something was wrong. You saw what his shot looked like. You're watching him like, mm, mm mm-mm. Something's not right here. Mm Mm-mm. I can see when my co-hosts haven't slept one less hour the night before. If I, if Markel Fultz, my number one pick, was in the gym and I'm watching, I'm like, hey, uh, you good? Because, uh... You're a little twisted up right now. (laughs) But no, they tried to force him to change his shots in a way that put more pressure on his fucking shoulder. Are you kidding me? I've been waiting to do this segment for probably two months now. I'm incensed. Fultz concluded, I tried to work through it. I'm in the gym shooting thousands of shots on a broken broken shoulder. I'm trying to shoot through it. And the whole time, I just made it worse. Is this not heartbreaking? But again, the mindset that I had, I'm just trying to grind. I'm trying to continue to work through these issues, not knowing I'm making it worse. Pause. Again, training staff, that's your job, not his job, to diagnose and put together a plan of, hey, don't shoot thousands of these shots. Maybe get yourself into a sling. I don't know. Maybe just me. Again, I'm just young, being selfish, I guess I would call it, in a sense, not understanding my body. And I think that was a big part of it. And once again, once I communicated, Marco, pause. You shouldn't have to say a word. You can see it in his broken fucking jumper. His body, you saw it. He looked, he looked, his shoulder was twisted. Turns out he had thoracic outlet syndrome. Another thing people don't know, thoracic 
Outlet syndrome is not diagnosed through an MRI or a CAT scan. It's very hard to diagnose, and it's a big part of why in the beginning he says, I kind of thought nothing was going on. And I just thought, mm, it was my shoulder, because when I got scans and MRIs, they didn't see anything. But I had to just keep going, had to just keep shooting. I went from shooting 40% in college to coming into the NBA, and now, I don't know, becoming a meme. Becoming a meme. The final really good news is that Fultz is very close to returning from his left knee ACL injury, which is what we would call full circle, a moment for us to then watch him in his glory and make fun of the Sixers once again. Uh, Now that his shoulder is 100%, he's feeling good, and he's ready to get back onto the court. This is what he said. I took a big step in this summer. We were watching film, understanding the game. It's slowing down for me even more. And the latest news is that he should make his season debut sometime in January this month. He was cleared to practice on December 10th. You're adding Fultz to Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. All of them 23 years old or younger. Dynamic. You know who could use a dynamic young playmaker on their roster right now? My man... The Philadelphia 76ers could use one. The Boston Celtics, of course, could use one. But all of this to say that the dysfunction in Philly has been around for so long now. And it's time, baby. Increase, increase my volume on this. This is me rubbing my hands together. Time to clean house. Spike Eskin of Ricky of the rights to Ricky Sanchez said on his pod that he thinks Embiid might go. Before I pulled that trigger, I would make sure Daryl Morey and Doc got theirs, that they got the click, click, boom. For those of you deep in the weeds, remember what Jimmy told Nucky on Boardwalk Empire, HBO show. You can't be a half of a gangster, and you can't do a half of a rebuild. You're either all in or you're all out. There are no half measures in war and there are no half measures in basketball, which is why my Portland Trailblazers will continue to suffer. And all of this means, will the Philly fans have to trust the process all over again? We'll have to see. The process started in 2013, and being on life support the previous two years sank to the bottom of the deep blue sea in Game 7 of the Hawks last year when Ben passed up an open dunk choking on his meat. And guess what? The team is exactly where it was in 2012 when the process first began, a massively disappointing second-round exit, all of that tanking, all those high draft picks, all that money spent, time is a flat circle never getting beyond the second round. The process, folks, is dead, I have to say. Long live, though, the sequel, Process Dua, Duo, Two, Dos, Dua Lipa, yes. Sequel begins in 2022. And the big question is, who on the Sixers team will be around when it's over? I'm betting no one. Unless the entire culture change is implemented, remember, this team has really, really bad culture. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Friday morning early squirrely with a new episode. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends. You can say things mean in the comments. I don't really care. Just engage. 
Just build up that algorithm, baby. Every damn one of those comments. Just get in there. And forget, do not forget to follow us on social at, at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. See you Friday morning.